everybody, welcome to Going Places. We got Chaz on, uh, founder of Soul Fit Grill. Uh, Chaz, thank you so much for being here, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am familiar with Soul Fit Grill. Uh, we did our research. Um, and before we get started into kind of the nooks and crazy things, we always like to keep things a little bit off kilter a little bit. So out of curiosity, here's a fun one. I have all of your spices up on my screen right here. I'm going to go to them so that I don't, I don't miss any. Okay. If okay. you had to rank all of your seasonings from best to worst or favorite to least favorite, how would you rank them? And it's always fun because you got to leave some, you got to leave some out. Man, that's a tough one. So um, <laughs> I'm going to go with my favorite would be the Creole kick would be the first one. Uh, next up would be the summertime. Um, then I would probably go with the honey garlic. Mm. And then I would go with the um, island heat because it has a little bit of spice to it. Then I would go with the citrus island. Then I would go um, soul on everything. And then taco truck. And then probably the black, black pepper ranch because it's the most unique. <laughs> Nice man, nice. You know, no like, way he left one out. That was all of them. Yo, bro, that was all of them. That was all of them. <laughs> he ranked them. That's what I'm talking uh, about. Yeah, I was just about to say. I was just about to say. He so knows. You, so, he so, knows his product. He knows it, what he's selling, man. Exactly. Yeah, been like five years in the game, man. So, um, and I make them all. So, and we have our two hot sauces that we released in December. So, um, those oh, yes. are the last two. And yeah, we can order this online, by the way, right? You can. Oh yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be ordering some from you this week, man, because I need I need to I need to stock my my uh my cabinet with some stuff because I don't have any I don't even have salt in my house. I've been doing garlic and pepper, so man, we got the flavors for you. So oh, I'm gonna come, I'm come too, so you can pretty much add as much as you want. Oh yeah, um, I'm those, those, no preserves, no yeah, we're, well. we're gonna get into that. We're gonna get into that. We're gonna get into that. Okay, so cool. here, so so listen, Chad, here's my next question. Do you watch Shark Tank by chance? I do. Okay, so if you were on Shark Tank and you had the board in front of you, so you had uh, you had Mark Cuban. I can't even name off all the hosts right now. But Mr. Wonderful. You, Mr. Wonderful, which is also – he's actually Canadian, by the way. So he's not on the Canadian version of Shark Tank, which is Dragon's Den, which is hilarious. But I'm Canadian, by the way. Anyways, um, that being said, Chaz, who would you want to strike a deal with most, curiosity? Because when I think of your brand, I think, like, this belongs on one of those television sets of somebody pitching for a larger deal. Who would you want to strike a deal with most? I think uh, Mark Cuban would be who I would want. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you why. Just mostly because, uh, one, I mean, he's a tech guy. He's a big creative. Um, he's kind of the youngest one on the show as well, too. But also he owns a Mavericks. So, and we're also a health company, health and fitness. So a lot of athletes and a lot of um, you know fitness people use our products. And so I think he would be the best fit to actually get it out there and hopefully get us something with the NBA and other teams as well, too. And also, you know, we can, you know, have something in this, you know, stands and stuff around the stadium. That's beautiful, bro. That's beautiful. I love that. So, okay. Now let's dive into the real mean potatoes because Mark Cuban is a gangster. I love him. And I think that's a fine choice, especially for your company. Um, I, I, the whole purpose of this show here, Chaz, is to find a way to highlight folks who we believe are going places. And after being on your page and exploring your company for a little bit, we wholeheartedly thought that that was you. So kudos to you for what you're building. Thanks. A lot of, of course, man, a lot of people get caught up in numbers and followers and audiences and profits and losses, and they forget about mission, you know? And, and I think that that's the first thing that you consider based on what I've read about your company. So I'm yeah. curious, how have you been able to 
avoid having to go for huge audiences, big followers just to get started? Because so many people hang themselves up on that before they ever get started. I, I think with me, it's just following my passion. I mean, I would do this if I wasn't making any money. Um, the fact that I am making money, I'm really happy about that. But I would do this because I started from my grandmother diabetes. So um, I love to see people eat healthy. I love to get messages and um, DMs and stuff from people telling me that they couldn't eat and with, you know, because their doctor said they can have so much salt or sugar and they now can have flavor. And I've been able to trick their tongue and think they have flavor and salt, but they don't. So, I mean, it's following your passion is the reason why I don't get caught up in the numbers. You know, I would love my follower count to go to a million followers, which would be great financially. But at You'll the same be this, time, huh? you know, I'm going to do what I can do while I can do while I can do it. And so just keep pushing and keep following my passion and not try to look at what somebody else is doing. Also, just look what I'm trying to do and follow my passion. So how All do right. you find your passion in life? Uh, you say, how do I find it? Yeah, for those looking. Um, I think it's just like a God-given thing. You know, you got to just do what you love. I mean, you look back. And I guess as a kid, I've always loved agriculture. So I'm also the owner of Seawater Farms, our organic urban farm company. And so growing things with, is always something I was also passionate about as well, too. So I took that passion from growing things and dried it out into a bottle and then put it on a larger scale. And that's kind of how the Soul Thick Group became born. So that was just the passion that led to something else and following. Now, I have a question, though. Um and by the way, what you're doing touches me personally because, you know, black people and Latin, like my family, we suffer from fucking hypertension and heart disease. Yeah. I think my grandfather died from heart disease. My yeah. great grandfather died from heart disease. My great grand, like my mom's side, they died of heart disease. So it's an important thing. But like growing up, like no one tells you you can go and start your own seasoning brand. Like how in the world? And I'm not sure if you have a background in it because I know you went to... Uh, uh, I know you, you studied here in Texas, but like what, how do you, how do you, how do you take it upon yourself and just build up the courage to say, Hey, I can go and create my own seasoning. How in the world do you do that? What's the thought? Man, it, did, it didn't happen overnight. Um, I'll tell you that. So I'm a big gardener, which is now a farmer. We own a six acre farm. And so I was growing those herbs out. I was studying for law school um, and I just kind of needed a stress reliever. And but growing those herbs out and drying things out and just kind of bottling it and giving it away. And it wasn't until my grandmother, um, doctor told her with the diabetes that she was gonna um, basically have to lose her leg if she didn't change her habits. And so my idea was just really going to the grocery store and find her some things that was healthy because she thought all the spices in the store taste like Italian seasoning. And <laughs> it was like Southern, you know, I'm from the South, I'm from Texas, Houston grew up eating southern tofu so it was nothing in those shells that was low sodium but had the flavor it was high sodium that had flavor but nothing low sodium and i was like it got to be something so i went to stores looking and looking and looking and i honestly couldn't find it i mean and so i decided to kind of take those things i was drying out and then mix it and try to play with the measurements with the low sodium part and also try not to add any sugars to it if i can so even if we use anything with a sweetener it's made with natural honey and so that's kind of how I got started. I wasn't, I didn't have a background. I wasn't trying to go to be a spice guy. And, but, you know, it was just kind of like a thing that led to a passion that was following and trying to help somebody out, which is my great grandmother and the rest of my family. And it led to us becoming one of the top spice companies in the U.S. Wow, wow. bro. That's inspiring. So, so Chaz, I, I know a lot of young entrepreneurs and founders, they want to start their own consumable, something that people can eat, drink, taste. 
how how did you go through what was it like starting your own consumable based company and going through FDA and that sort of thing? Well, um, it starts, I mean, you definitely have to do your research, um, you know, definitely researching the things you're going to do, um, drawing it out. Um, you can find its main factors that you can find to kind of not to deal with so much, but um, basically researching, Googling, and then so you get to the point where you can do it. Um, I started off selling at farmer's markets, you know, so 2014, 2015, I was um, selling at farmer's market and getting the products out there. And then we started doing fitness shows and we started doing festivals and then we started doing health events. And then we started putting on our own events and then now we're into grocery stores. So you just got to kind of research and make sure that you're being safe and you have, you know, also insurance to back it up as well too, because you don't want to have any um, things come back on you as well. So the liability. <laughs> How big is the team, by the way? How big is the company? So right now we have about 10, ten team members um, and that's from distribution to, you know, our, you know, people working in the warehouse as well as uh, we kind of work in-house with our organic farm as well, too. So everybody kind of works for the same company, but it's two different jobs. Mm. So, you, so you're so you saying that you grow your own herbs and spices, you dry yeah. them out, and then you bottle them? Not anymore. So not the herbs and spices. So now we're on a larger scale. So we have an organic farm that we actually farm, and we feed families living in the, in the food desert. So now we grow vegetables. So like um, your kale, your collard greens, your mustard greens, um, your you know, beets, um, we pretty much grow seasonal okra. So we grow seasonal veggies that's also sustainable growing as well too and organic. And then so for the spice things, it was just, we, we grew too fast to be able to grow certain things because we grow sustainable and seasonal. And so you can't grow certain things in certain temperature, I mean, certain times of the year. And so now we're getting things um, imported in organically as well. And so what we do grow organically is what can be sold that, pretty much the same week and so, cool, so, scale. so you, okay so yeah so you took a step back then which i think is neat because a lot of people would have just gone right for scaling up you know so that they could earn more bread but you said no we don't want to sacrifice being organic being natural etc if we can't grow it during this part of the season we can't grow it so we got to find different ways to monetize the business yes did you consciously part ways with making more money? Was that a decision that you processed? No, because you can source things from all over the world that you can grow things. So we didn't kind of scale back. I think we scaled up, but we knew our limitations um, and what we could do on our farm. And so um, we knew that in order to do certain things and to grow certain things that you need certain temperatures and sometimes you need cooler weather to get, you know, dried, um, you know, to get bell peppers that if you want to have bell peppers dried into your spices. And so you need a warmer season for that. You know, so us, I think it was a scale up, but just being um, smart about what we're going to do. Bro, how do you dry a vegetable? Um, you can use dehydrators. Um, you but can like, use like, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. What's a dehydrator, bro? Explain uh, this to me like I'm two years something old. something that you can put your vegetables in and it's going to not like suck the moisture out of the, um, out of the vegetable. Does it look like an oven? Do you just like open Something similar to oven, yeah. And how long does it take to dehydrate a vegetable? Uh, some of them, it could take 30 minutes. And some, you can do it the old school way. You can kind of let it dry out. Um, you can go, it's like farms and stuff that does peppers. And they kind of have this big, um, it's almost like a um, metal plate type thing, a metal with holes inside of it. And basically just let it dry out. But we don't do that method. Um, but So you can do it several different ways. That's just new school inventions that came out. You can even buy those, like maybe at Walmart, for smaller scales. So it and then And then how do you create... 
how do you create seasoning from it? So once it's dry, how do you do just like grow that's that's up to your magic and your um and the creative. Oh. I can't tell you everything. That's the secret but, sauce. <laughs> I can't tell you everything. But, I have uh, found the this limit. Just pull off of um, my palette. We have a team member, um, a team that I'm mostly the one who creates everything. Sometimes I get ideas from people on the team, but for the most part, it's off of what I think I need or what I'm hearing from people when I'm doing um, local stuff or doing events. And people say, you should make this, you should make that. And so sometimes I'll say, yeah, sometimes I say no. And that project, me getting that thought in my mind may take almost six months for me to bring to creation because we're also, we're a low sodium company, low sodium, low sugar. And so we're can't, we can't just add a ton of salt and give you that flavor like most spice companies. And so with that being low sugar, we pretty much have to make sure it's right. And cause we want people to come back. We don't have, we don't want to have people like tasting this like, okay, this is just horrible. And so it's the right <laughs> taste with being low sugar and low salt. And um, it's, it's just really kind of hard, you know. And so we use things that's tricking the tongue, uh, which we can't say everything that we're doing, but um, basically tricking your tongue, make you think you have that stuff, but you really don't. But it's also all natural, <laughs> no preservatives, no MSG, and low sodium. So, okay, I got, dope. I, I got a question. I know, Jesus, you want to come in. I can tell when you want to come in. No, 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 no. Okay. I'm just, I'm laughing because he's like, well, that's the secret sauce. I'm not going to give you that. Because in my mind, I'm like, but how do you make something taste good without salt? Like, that's what I'm saying. And without bro. sugar. Like, that, yeah, that's what I'm saying, bro. These guys are masters. So, Chaz, we get to interface with a lot of entrepreneurs on this, on this show, as you can imagine. By every definition, you are an entrepreneur. But I would actually jump, and if I may, consider you a farmer first. Do you consider yourself a farmer first or an entrepreneur first? I would say that's a pretty tough one because both entrepreneur is a farmer, uh, but it depends. I mean, both we I do both scales of it. So the spice and the sauces and then the farmer. So but I would say um, more passion would be a farmer and then entrepreneur because my passion is growing things and seeing people happy, being able to eat freshness of it. But that passion leads to me able to dry it out and put into a bottle and lead to more people, thousands of people being able to eat. So as a farmer, when you're strolling to the supermarket, getting your groceries weekly, as a farmer, what's your relationship with food in 2021? Um, when I'm going to the supermarkets, I'm, well, I grow a lot of things myself. Um, but so when I'm going, I'm just kind of looking to see how it is, how it's fresh. Um, what can I do? Um, what can we grow that's growing this right right now in the season? Um, so as a farmer, you're just trying to always uh, make sure you're growing things that people like and what's hot. You know, a few years ago, um, you know, okra was one of the top things that people were starting to like, you know, and like in restaurants here. So you will see them put okra in, in a lot of things that you would normally get okra in. Now, um, I think like collard greens is really popular. You know, like I grew up eating collard greens. I'm a Southern guy. My grandmother cooked soul food. And um, collard greens was something that just mostly African-American people ate, you know, and now um, people are finding out that collard greens have just as much nutrition as kale. And so when I met the farmers markets that is very diverse, you'll see um, white people, black people, Hispanic people, now everybody's in line saying, give me two bunches of collards. I'm gonna juice them. I'm gonna just wrap them in wraps. I'm gonna eat them as salad. I'm gonna use it like a lettuce type. And so that's just kind of how I go off of it. So, okay, okay, I like that. I'm gonna build off that if you don't mind. What's your relationship with food personally as a farmer? in 2021 because so many people they're gluttonous they overindulge they overbuy or they underbuy 
how do you view food and your relationship with it for you, your family, and your loved ones as you're showing to the supermarket? I think it's being sustainable and practicing those sustainable measures. I mean, so pretty much uh, I try to be as least wasteful as I can, you know, even going to restaurants. So say I'm going to a taco place and they give me, I've been there before, and I know they give me a jalapeno and five limes. Now, if I know I'm not going to eat the jalapeno, I no longer, I'll say, please don't put the jalapeno on there. If I know I'm not going to eat the limes on there, I'm not going to say, please don't. If I know I'm not going to eat the lettuce that they have, because I'm just trying to be more sustainable. And I know the efforts that it takes to grow things. So I now say, okay, I don't need it. Even though it may make their plate, their plate look more, you know, prettier, I guess you would say. But um, I just try to be sustainable in that measure. So I'm looking at how things, and I know how things are growing. And I'm like, that can go to somebody else. or that restaurant can save money by not, buying that one line for me you know you know so that's kind of how i look at things that's so beautiful of like a way to look at life and i, I wish I, i'm going to start doing that so i as a farmer because again i don't get to interface with as many farmers as i should or, or would like uh, how does it bother you when people aren't sustainable because the thing that you just described is such a small thing you could do but to me i'm not a farmer so i'd say oh what does it matter skipping the line skipping the jalapenos Mm-hmm. But obviously for you, it's like, no, man, this stuff really matters because if everybody did it, it would make a difference. So what is the real way that we as a society can become more sustainable, in your opinion? Is it small changes that we all make? I think it's just small changes. I mean, small changes to everyday habits. Now, some things, restaurants love to make pretty plates, make the things look good. Um, but I think it's just those small changes, just like what I said. You know, if you know you're not going to eat something and, you know, don't order. If you've been there, that's one of your favorite spots. And, you know, every time they put certain things on there, they put cheese on there, they put this, and you know you're not going to eat it. Say, hey, you know, no, I don't have to have that, you know, unless they just say we have to do it because some places want to be Instagrammable, which all places are, so they want that a certain look on their plate. And if that's what they want, that's fine. But for the most part, some people are like, okay, you're saving us money. Although a jalapeno may only cost uh, them 20, 10 cents maybe, but at the same time, that could add up to, you know, a whole $2 a day, you can just add that up. So I look at the long scale thing, long-term things, and just see how that can play out. But the small changes that we can do, growing things, um, you can also start your own backyard garden and having those fresh herbs. And I still support going to the grocery stores. I still buy things from grocery stores, but you can also do things at home as well too, because I think it's important to know where your food comes from. And it's also important, and also getting it locally is even more important because you're not traveling, it's not traveling as far. When I'm doing the market, I'm picking it that same day at around six in the morning. I go, I get to the market around seven thirty eight, and I'm selling to the person around nine o'clock and they're going home probably and cooking it in the next one or two days, sometime the same day. It doesn't really get any fresher than what we're doing on our farm. Wow. Look, man, I really love, <clears throat> you mentioned too, you mentioned something that really, well, you said something that was really powerful that I liked when he asked you, Hey, what do you have more of a connection with? Like what, where, you know, who does Chaz, what Chaz's mission, what is it more aligned with? And you said farmer. And that's because, and like, and you mentioned food desert. I grew up in a food desert in East Harlem. East Harlem, all of Harlem, New York is there. John and I, we grew up in food desert. Like you just cannot get quality food. The mm-hmm. supermarkets are bad. The produce is, the options you have for produce are bad. The seasoning is bad. The breads are bad. Only white bread, you know, all. So very limited options for like, people who are health conscious. So the fact that you say that that's where your mission really is, is in feeding kind of the hood in a way, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think about this every day. So where I'm at right now, um, it's like um, pretty much, I say, I guess gentrified a little bit, you know, it's becoming nicer. 
But, you know, growing up, we had nothing but fried chicken places and, you know, wing places. And to this day, I mean, we're just starting to get things in, like, right now because it's become a hot spot in in, in Houston right now. But, um, I mean, I'm just like, man, it's just hard to eat healthy. You know, it's just hard to eat something healthy. It's hard to eat something that's not fried chicken. And it's not wrong with eating fried chicken, but you just don't want to eat that every day. You know, <laughs> so it's like all the time. I mean, nothing over here besides fried chicken joints and maybe – yeah, and it's like, and it's just like, man, you know, that's what's killing our people. You know, the not the limit. You know, not having good stuff. And then I go to the local grocery store that you know I won't say the name, but then they don't have the freshest produce. It doesn't look like the Whole Foods, or it doesn't look like some of the Kroger's or some of the other stores or the Sprouts. It looks like it's been on the shelf for you know out there for a few days. And I'm just like, man, this is what our people are eating. And I was like, I know our farm is only six acres, and we don't farm on the whole six acres, but if we can at least teach people how to do things and, you know, grow some of the things in the backyard, they can at least have a better way of doing things, a better way of living. Nice. And do you, do you offer that? Do you offer people the, uh, the chance to come on oh, yeah, to the yeah. farm and so, learn? Uh, Pre-COVID, pre -COVID, uh, we, so we have an event called Beats and Beats, which is a pretty wide, um, large festival in Houston. So we put that on uh, for like the last three years and it was going to be our biggest one in 2020. Uh, we're still not doing it this year because just we want to be a little bit safe. Uh, but uh, it's pretty much a garden festival where you bring in live music, DJs. Uh, beats and beats. That's so like beats, like musical beats. And, beats and, like beats and like music and then beats and the best. That's dope. I like that. Yeah, man, we trademark it just in case anybody else wants to steal it. You know, so, 20, so 22 is coming back 2022, right? 2022, I think it'll oh, we'll be there. Loop, loop uh, will be there. Yeah, so it's an event, man. You guys set up and um, definitely want to come out, but it's free. We have a nonprofit that my family started over um, 20 years ago, and we pay for pretty much everything for all the members. And so pretty much you get there early. You can either do like a workout session or you can also uh, you can do a gardening session. And we pay a master gardener uh, to come out there and basically teach you how to actually grow things and learn. And you can come out there and pick that brain. And that's what we pay them for. So pick that brain. I'm pretty much running around because I'm the host of the event. So I'm either on stage or making sure things going right. Right. But we have meal prep companies. We have some large corporate companies out there as well, too. And basically, it's all for the community, teaching people. And so that event, you will see some of the aunties, the grandmas. You also <laughs> see diversity. You know, you won't just it's not even though it's well, I won't say it's the hood anymore because it's changed a lot. But it's you'll see a good, diverse crowd of people and you will see mostly urban hip hop music, though. And so we like to kind of make people to feel like they, you know, gardening is cool. You don't have to be an old grandma to garden and grow things. And, um, but you can be cool when you're doing it as well, too. So it sounds like a black party at a farm. Pretty much. That's pretty much what it's like. Right, I like uh, so that, music, man. food, food trucks, funnel cakes, all that type of stuff, man. And you can come out there and have a good time. So it's oh, usually man. in April. So it would have been probably like around like this weekend, last, like Dang, around oh, this same weekend every for the last like couple of years. So. This would have been our fourth one, but um, so we started, I guess, maybe 2016. And the first one started off really small, maybe like 30 or 40 people. And then the next one went to like a couple of hundred people. So and then we like went to like almost 600 um, people out on the farm just having it. So, geez, that's a huge uh, blog party, man. Farm party. Yes, man. <laughs> oh, man, I, I'm I got to say, Chaz, uh, Jesus and I have had the unique privilege of, of interfacing with some really neat folks in our lives as I, as I know that you have as well and nothing ever moves me or touches me as deeply as like connecting with the community and like when I speak to you the heart of the community speaks through you and like I think that's I think you got a really beautiful soul man that that, that that's really cool about you that Thanks, yeah. 
that you have that tenant, brother. I think that that's really dope. No pun intended, right, Nick? What did I say? Sophie Grill. So you got a beautiful soul, man. You got oh, a beautiful soul, you said. <laughs> you got a beautiful soul, exactly. All right, so all right, so so let's end it here. I have one last question for you, Chess. All right, which are what are five things people can be doing? Anybody, the top five things anybody could be doing to be staying in better shape during these times. Um, I would say working out um, would be a big plus. Eating healthy. Um, taking care of their mental health, you know, um, uh, find a new hobby, a new passion. Um, mm -hmm. And then I would say probably pick up something like gardening. You know, you'll really find out how stress relieve it. You know, you can relieve your stress by just seeing things grow. And so gardening or yoga would be something I would tell people to kind of pick up and do. Wow. I think that we got, I, I never, so I think two of those things were incredibly unique because like it's easy to say working out and I think they're great answers. But to say, pick up a passion, I think that that does more for people than they could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. And also pick up a hobby that's just, it could be like golf or gardening, or right. Yoga, right? It's like, it could be anything that you can just let yourself go into. I think that's beautiful. So I think you got a great touch with your spirit and love, man. And, and I think that I couldn't ask for a better guest, neither could Jesus and a better founder at the helm of Soulfit Grill. Uh, is there anything that we can do? Because we're based in Austin. Uh, aside mm -hmm. from order your spices, I'm going to put it in order for your spices on behalf of Lou. Um, I will be tagging you. You're going to be saying when I, when I get it, I'll tag you, let you know. It's thanks, true. Man, and, I'll let, and I'll let you know if it's good on the low. I'm going to let you know. <laughs> I'm that. Dominican, so man, we, I like my seasoning, man. I like my food to be feicy. We will get it. No, it's low sodium. That's why I tell people, don't go in there expecting to be, you know, like super salty type things. You add the salt to your health. That's what I tell people. I don't okay. even have salt in my house. Believe me, I'm, I'm not yeah. a big salt guy. So I just like savory, flavorful stuff. So can't so wait to try it. And, and and let's also get John to order it and shout you guys out on his Instagram story. Sorry, right? Yeah, right. we will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get some for the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool, cool. We'll get some for the house. Is there anything that we could do for you, man? Any efforts that you're currently promoting right now that you want to be you want to be allowed about? Ah, uh, man, we're just um, continuing. We have our nonprofit, TWF, which is a large nonprofit that we basically just take kids and you know, expose them to agriculture and nutrition, um, um, just exposure trips as well, too. Um, our farm would be something that would be cool. Sweetwater Farms, HCX would be something that, you know, we just love, you know, even sometimes volunteers to come out as well and just let people mm. know that they can come out and volunteer. Um, as far as Soap Grill, we're, um, we're, we're in Whole Foods, but we are so, um, we ship all over. So we're going to be in more stores pretty soon. So. I mean, anything would help, you know, any kind of exposure would help us out in, or anything shouting us out would be great. And so we'll really appreciate it. Cool, man. I got you on all the above. And and maybe when we're up in Dallas, we'll get John and Jesus because I'm, I'm based in Toronto, Canada, but we'll get John, Jesus and Carrie to come in and, and volunteer and do a day with you guys. Yeah, if you guys want to come down to Houston, man, we can get some good food, too. And um, can we chef it up, man. I cook a little bit, man. Come on. Let's like do a little a little potluck or something. We'll come hey, up. Man. That's cool, man. We'll come down. Well, you're in Houston, right? Yeah, I mean, Austin. you guys are in Austin, so I mean, I can definitely come to Austin. I, I love come to Austin. I right, come uh, to Austin. Yo, we'll come to Austin. Austin. Yo, yo we'll shoot content. We'll make it. We'll make it a big day, man. We'll make a big thing. Yeah, I, I love Austin, man. You know the water, the lake. You know, so it's always something to do out there. So me and my friends used to take a trip out there at least once a um a year, and then go out there and just have a good time. Yo, you know, hey Zeus, loophole so fit grill, man. That's it. Yo, that's what I'm saying, bro. What if Jesus, hey Zeus, hey what if Chaz came down to the loop house and then he brought a bunch of fresh produce with him? We'll pay for it, by the way. Like, like it'll all be, it, it will not be on your own dollar. We'll pay for it. 
And then, and then we come and we do like a little cookout and then we invite a ton of like local awesome yeah, folks. And then that's what we're going to do, man. Let's do that. When, yo, let's do that. Chaz. Let me know when we can do that. Let me know. <laughs> All right, bet. <laughs> well, you, I'm gonna send you guys an email like in like two weeks. Like, okay, what's the date? You know. <laughs> All right. Yes, All right. Let's I do this. It. Let's do this, man. I I think I paused. Did I pause? It looks like I paused. Check one. Yes, you did. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 But uh, Chaz, um, man, thank you. Thank you for jumping on. It's been a pleasure having you. Uh, Chaz Ham is my people. This he is going places. Thank you, guys.